Hey, it's Mastin. Welcome to the Mastin Kid Podcast. If you want to take your first step uh, on your trauma-informed journey, come to claimyourpowerbook.com and get my book, Claim Your Power. There are uh, a bunch of awesome free bonuses with that, including a 40-day coaching journey with me that will get you started on your trauma-informed path. Claimyourpowerbook.com. Enjoy. It's awesome. I put my heart and soul into it. And if you want to really start your journey to do your trauma work, claimyourpowerbook.com is the place to go to get my book, claim your power, and to get a bunch of free bonuses, including free coaching with me for 40 days. Please enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. Excited for our call today. Just want to sort of start with some, as we always do, some, some ways of the frame, sort of your perspective, how to do things as a coach, and just really bring your A-game. So one of the things I just want you to think about um, that's really common, um, and you may even be noticing this in your own life and certainly in clients' lives, but who here has ever maybe had a client or even a friend, uh, probably, or a family member, where like they have a problem, you see what their problem is, you're really clear about pretty much what the right answer is, and they're very resistant to that answer or that suggestion. Who knows what I'm talking about? They're just like, like they'd rather, and then, and then you see them struggle. And then maybe you get to a point where you kind of get so frustrated, you kind of give up. At some point in the future, they finally come around to the thing you told them however long ago it was. And you're like, ah, like you're so happy, but you're also so frustrated. Who knows what I'm talking about, right? And it's almost like they figured it out on their own and maybe even forgot that you told them. Who knows what I'm talking about? Y'all, y'all. Who's been this person? I have definitely been this person also, by the way. I, I have also, I have not just made the observation, but I've certainly also um, been the one in that position. So what that is, like, what what is that about, right? So when we think about like an adverse experience that someone's been through, we think about neglect, we think about trauma, we think about all the things that happen to us when we're younger. If we're self-activating, stating our preferences, stating boundaries, saying what we want, asking for support, wanting to be listened to, all the things that come with um, you know, sort of healthier relating, right? Um, we learn that certain behaviors are available or not available for safety when we're younger based on the response that we get from our early caregivers. And that gets imprinted into our nervous system, which creates our internal working model, right? And then we start to associate, for example, maybe not asserting ourselves or being angry with safety. If I don't get angry, if I don't assert myself, I'm safe, right? However, to heal, there are going to be times where you might have to express some anger, to be in touch with that part and to express it so that you can heal. What that means is some of the things that we either stop doing or think are dangerous because of the messaging we got when we were younger are actually some of the things that are important for us to start doing, at least in some level, to heal. In osteopathic work, osteopathic work is um, a type of medical doctor that kind of looks at the balance of the the whole bo- uh, the, the bone structures and the, the skeleton and all those things. And osteopaths are some of my favorite doctors in the world. Um, and within osteopathy, uh, which you have to get your MD and then have a bunch more training in just osteopathy and the osteopathic approach. And within osteopathy, which is such an obscure field, there's an even more obscure field that's called op- uh, osteopathic manipulation, which is not the same thing as narcissistic manipulation, just so we're clear about that. Okay. And I hear the word manipulation. You're like, oh my God, osteopathic manipulation is a way in which you can um, understand what's called the tensegrity which is the tensional integrity of, a, of the body. How does it go together fascially? How does it go together with your muscles, your ligaments, your bones, your joints, the, the physics of the body, if you will, and all the different parts of it? And how can you manipulate 
the fascia, the tissue to help the bones go back in place because chiropractors just put your bones back in place. Osteopaths know that one of the reasons why your bones are out of place sometimes is because the fascia or the muscle around it is forcing it out of place. So you can force the 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 bone to go back in place potentially with a, uh, an adjustment. But gosh, wouldn't it be so much better if we could just get the um, actual structural tissue to help the the bones go back into place instead of forcing them back into place? And I remember one time, last thing I'll say on this, is uh, I was thinking about getting foot surgery once because I had this like foot, this toe that kind of went in like this. And I was talking to an, and I, I was about to get surgery and it was so bad. And I found an osteopath and he was like, well, you could you could get a surgery that would straighten your toe, but that wouldn't solve your problem. And I was like, what are you talking about? So my, t- my big foot or my big foot, my big toe was going in like this. He goes, the reason why your big toe is going in like this is because the metatarsal, which is the bone below it is actually going out like that. So if you get a surgery that gets your toe to go out like that, it will just be in alignment with your metatarsal dysfunction. And I was like, Oh my God, thank you. Cause every surgeon told me to operate. So what did we work on? We didn't work on straightening this Part of my toe, we worked on getting this metatarsal back into place, which guess what happened? The toe got straighter, right? And I was like, oh my God, surgery, what could have gone wrong? Those surgeries, like all kinds of bad things can happen from those surgeries. And I'm not against surgeries necessarily, but it, you know what your outcomes in life are really based on sort of the perspective of your practitioner, right? And so thank God I was getting all these different opinions at that specific time. It was in 2020 when I had a hard time walking. And like, oh my God, the pain was so intense. But he said something to me that was really interesting as we were working on over probably like, I don't know, like 40 weeks of getting this back into alignment with a lot of like therapy and physical therapy and osteopathic work and all these things. There was a couple of times where he would put my foot to a certain position and I go, you know what? That's weird. That's like, the, like I, I, I sprained my ankle in that position or I did something in that position, whatever it might be. And he just kind of looked up to me and so nonchalantly said, well, you know, Mastin, a lot of times the position of healing is like the same as the position of trauma. And I was like, say that again, you know, cause like I'm me and I'm thinking about it through like a different context. He's thinking about physical trauma. Right. And I was just like, the position of healing is the position of the trauma. Wow. That was a powerful realization. And so how does that apply to what I'm saying today? Well, the position of trauma for you may have been to be silenced in your anger. That might mean that the position of healing for you is to be expressive in your anger, right? The position of healing might be, or the position of trauma may have been to have no needs, right? Not to ask for what you want, not to surface it. And the position of healing might be to surface those needs, right? Which is confronting the very thing that says this is not safe. And so what happens is over enough time, our dysfunctional patterns are interpreted as safe, because they were in a way safe when we were younger. And when we start to heal, a part of us emerges that's a healthier part that might know better, that has ideas or thoughts or feelings about what you might want to be doing differently. And that healthier part can seem dangerous. Does that make sense? Right? The healthy part says, express your anger, finally. And the traumatized, wounded part says, no, 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 no. that's too dangerous. Right? So the position of trauma and the position of healing are related. And so a lot of this inner conflict that we have can come from not necessarily um, like something bad, but consider that like your inner conflict could be stemming from healthy parts emerging and younger wounded parts thinking that those parts aren't actually giving you good advice because it wasn't safe when you were younger. And it's just something to think about uh, as you think about moving forward, both with yourself, with your clients, and consider that sometimes the good advice that you're giving your clients, the probably right 
in many ways, advice, right? The correct advice, the most advice that has the most efficacy might be advice that's contra-indicated with their trauma history, right? Well, why didn't you set a boundary? Okay, but maybe when I was younger, if I set a boundary, I would get whipped or I would get hurt or something like that, or, you know, just speak up. Yeah, well, speaking up almost got me killed when I was going through whatever it might be, right? So just consider that um, if a client of yours is resisting something that is probably healthy for them, that there's maybe a really good reason. And to think if you're doing that in your life also, why might that be, right? Not through a lens of shame and not through a lens of, you know, what you're doing right or wrong, but through a lens of like, huh, what's unsafe about the healthy thing? And why would that be the case? And what's happening in me or what's happening in my client to have the part of them that's rooted in the dysfunction or the wound in the driver's seat making the decision? Probably because the wounded part of you or the wounded part of your client is not used to someone having its back. It's not used to having a part speak up and go, actually, this is what's great for you. It's used to neglect. It's used to being hurt. It's used to being shamed. And so a big shift starts to emerge through our ambivalence, through our inner conflict, where we start to realize, wow, the part of me that's noticing my needs aren't being met in this relationship, or the part of me that's noticing that like I'm both like a priority, or the part of me that's noticing X, Y, or Z, that's a newer part. And I'm not used to that. I'm not used to my needs being identified as being missed. I'm just used to them being missed. Holy shit, I have a part of me emerging that's noticing that my needs aren't being met. That's new. And it's in conflict with this wounded part that says, stop it. You're not in, you're not safe if you have needs, right? As a, as a generalized example. So just something to think about when it comes to your own inner conflict or ambivalence and also your clients um, to really think about like who's in the driver's seat and if the wound is in the driver's seat, is that wound used to having a competent protector, a competent provider, a competent smart adult, which is now a part of you that's emerging, having its back? And can we start to introduce those parts, the wounded part to the healthy part, and let the healthy part start to drive um, and give your nervous system experiences that the healthy response is the safe response? You know, something to think about. Hey, it's Mastin. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. And before we wrap up, if you found value in this, one of the best ways to get this trauma-informed information to the world, if that's something that you want to do and to be a part of spreading the word, I would be so very grateful if you could leave a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts so that uh, you can review this. And hopefully it's a good review, but please leave an honest review. And especially if you want to leave a five-star review, I would be super stoked on that. But of course, just make it honest. But my goal is to share more trauma-informed information with the world. And I need your help to spread this information and reviews matter. So if you feel called to do that, we'd very much appreciate it. If you got value from this episode and from this podcast, we'd very much appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for hearing me out. And if you feel called, please leave a review on Apple or Spotify, and we'll see you in the next episode.